the state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at an historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laugh as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. Let's give it up for the man, the myth, legend, our super producer, Mr. Max Williams. Huzzah! Uh, Huzzah, indeed. And uh, let's hear it for Mardi Gras, uh, which is one of the biggest celebrations in the United States every year. I'm Ben. Noel, I have to ask you, have you been to Mardi Gras? Huzzah! Huzzah! Uh, no, no, I have uh, not. I've, me not. I've been to like Mardi Gras themed restaurants. I've been to New Orleans, but not during Mardi Gras, but they kind of keep a Mardi Gras vibe there year round. Mm-hmm. You know, people drinking hand grenades in the streets and vomiting in alleys. You know, that's about what Mardi Gras is about, right? Yeah, yeah. New Orleans is such a unique town and it definitely has a unique vibe. It's the kind of place where you can find music and live performances, it seems, in almost every part of the neighborhood. Even those alleys where people are vomiting. Sometimes there's brass bands set up, you know, serenading you. Mm -hmm. And my first time going to New Orleans was very strange because I came in the middle of something that it was this charity event where people put on red dresses and they from what I could tell, day drink. And I noticed it. No one told me what was going on. I noticed it when uh, my girlfriend and I were at breakfast and I saw, you know, several tables, women, men, you name it. Children. And, and uh, no, no children though. That's an interesting <laughs> outlier. The women, men, you name it, except for children in these red dresses. And I was like, wow, these people are drinking pretty heavily, even for a brunch. And then as the day went on, I saw more and more people in red dresses getting progressively intoxicated until it was like uh, like 3.30 or something. And then there was someone throwing up. There was a lady just screaming, Darren, in the streets. And I thought, wow, is this... New Orleans all the time. Oh, yeah, uh, that's a Fat Tuesday tradition, screaming <laughs> Darren in the streets and, and, and puking in red dresses. Well, this would be What's up with the red dresses? It's the uh, Red Dress Run, which takes place uh, in August. So it was August 11th. I must oh. have been there for my birthday. It's okay. A, a, so it's really hot. <laughs> And they're running and drinking? (laughs) At least that's the ones I noticed the most. Wow. Okay. This was for our our Darren in the streets, though, uh, Noel. I know that we both are big fans of New Orleans. And we, with some help from our research associate, Max Williams, decided to look into a very specific aspect of Mardi Gras, which is the ridiculous desserts 
of Fat Tuesday. What is Fat Tuesday? Yeah, Fat Tuesday, also known as Shrove Tuesday, which is fun for us because, Ben, oftentimes this tradition started by you. When we have ads to do or housekeeping things at the end of our recording sessions, Ben uh, and then the rest of us have followed suit, often ask, are we shriven? Ah, uh, uh, yes. Shrove, I guess, is uh, what tense of that is of shriven? Is shriv- I, I'm, I'm, it's too early for me to do uh, <laughs> sentence diagrams. That's not what this is called. But yeah, if you're shriven, then you've been shrove. Mm-hmm. No, maybe? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, shrove comes from shrive. It's the confession of sins as a preparation for Lent, a practice that uh, dates back to Europe in the Middle Ages. Yeah, and Fat Tuesday, Shrove Tuesday, Mardi Gras, these are all essentially, I mean, no, they are. They're interchangeable, right? I mean, they they sort of have different things associated with them. You know, we think of maybe Shrove Tuesday as being the more maybe religious-minded name of this season. Uh, Fat Tuesday is obviously a day of, of excess. Um, it really refers specifically to the bacchanalian kind of, you know, uh, vibe of the whole thing. And Mardi Gras, of course, is just kind of the holiday, I guess, right? I mean, I don't know, but would you would you assign different meanings or, or uh, connections to these different ways of referring to basically the same thing? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I like your point about uh, the term that people choose giving way, like giving us insight into their approach to Mardi Gras, mm-hmm. you know, uh, whether it is more of a religious or more of a cultural thing. And I, I do want to be correct here, the shrill, the shrove, shriven kind of thing does date back to Christianity, Middle Ages. But Mardi Gras as a cultural phenomenon dates back much further, right? All the way back to pagan fertility rites in spring. Well, yeah, like a lot of Christian holidays, you know, I mean, there's a lot of appropriation of of pagan traditions that were then kind of roped into Christian, the Christian kind of holiday pantheon, I guess, in a way of sort of diminishing the godless pagan versions of them to a degree, right? So it's like if we take them over and subsume them into our thing, our godded thing or Mm -hmm. single godded thing, then perhaps these heathens, you know, will follow suit and they'll forget we'll wipe their version of it off the books yeah religious syncretism uh very popular with the catholic church during its expansionist phase they would roll into a new community and say hey this thing you're doing you're actually already into catholicism you just didn't know the right words to use your god is actually a saint uh and you should venerate that saint and realize there's the one true God, and that's our God of Catholicism. This is a common occurrence throughout history. Also, you're doing it wrong. Also, you're do, doing it wrong. Do it a little bit more like this. Everybody uh, learn Latin. All right. Now. Now. That's easy. Uh, and do all this uh, free labor. So, I mean, this is something, Mardi Gras, Shrove Tuesday, Fat Tuesday, something that's particularly popular in areas with large Roman Catholic uh, communities, right? Um, And this is on the day before Lent. Uh, To your point, Ben, Lent is a season of um, abstinence. Right. So what better way to precede a day of abstinence than with utter indulgence? Mm -hmm. Make it all balance out. Right. Kind of like New Year's Eve vibes. You know what I mean? Hey, we're going to do good next, next time, tomorrow. Yeah. Today we're going all in. And if we don't die or, you know, eat ourselves to death or drink ourselves to death or, you know, fall off a building or something, then we will set ourselves right for the coming year. Yeah, let me have a large cheeseburger, a pizza, fries, and a milkshake today because I'm going to the gym this afternoon, you know, on a spiritual level. While we're at it, why don't you give me a multicolored sweetie roll stuffed with a baby? Yes, or or we will accept a figurine of a child. Indeed. Uh, yeah, I'm so, sorry. Let's just, let's just, you know what? Let's, that, that sounds a little more tenable. <laughs> yeah. So uh, as you can tell, we already quickly uh, recapped an evolution of Mardi Gras. And while, while the festival, some version of it exists in Brazil and Venice and so on, the one in New Orleans is the one most Americans will be familiar with. Mardi Gras has evolved into a week-long festival. Traditionally, it's celebrated on Fat Tuesday, that Tuesday before Ash Wednesday, the beginning of Lent, as you said, Noel. 
And now that it's a week-long festival, you know, you see the entire city of New Orleans preparing for it well in advance. And uh, that debauchery includes uh, gluttony. (laughs) Gluttony, indeed. And and just to really quickly just get into a little bit more about what Ash Wednesday does. Ash Wednesday is the Wednesday uh, that that kicks off Lent, which is a um, a period six and a half weeks before Easter, which recently just passed, um, which, of course, is when, you know, uh, Jesus Christ was purported to have risen from the dead after being crucified by the Romans. Essentially, Lent is a 40-day fast, you know, if you do it right. You know, I think I think typically, you know, most fair weather Catholics and Christians, they kind of go to church. They get the ash on their forehead. They might, you know, fast for a day or something, you know, kind of uh, to, to, to feel like they're involved. But I don't know too many folks that are doing 40 day fasts. Do you, Ben? Not related to Lent, honestly. Yeah. Fair yeah. Uh, but. We know that this is an incredibly important thing for a lot of practicing Christians, a lot of practicing Catholics, but Mardi Gras is not for uh, Catholicism alone these days. There are a lot of people who go just for the cultural experience. Yeah, the, we'll call the, them tourists. <laughs> <laughs> well, sure. Uh, the, the period, though, that you're talking about, this fasting, this preparation, this has been observed before the festival of Easter since back in the time of the apostles. It was, it was happening unofficially for quite some time before it was formalized at the first council of Nicaea in 325 CE. So this, this dates back and the idea of Ash Wednesday of, of being marked on the forehead with ashes, uh, that might seem unfamiliar to a lot of people who are not uh, practicing Catholics or aren't familiar with Catholicism, but that is a modern day practice. And it, it dates back so far. And if you are, you know, um, if you are an observant Catholic today, you're probably pretty happy that they relaxed some of those fasting rules. It used to be intense. You could only eat one full meal and two smaller meals. If combi- that if you combine those small meals, they wouldn't equal a single normal meal. And then there's the rule where you can't eat meat uh, on any Friday during Lent. And there's, there's a question too. I wonder how much of that was to um, justify shortages of food. It's a really good question, Ben. Um, we, we, you know, typically we know that the Catholic Church, you know, holds a lot of sway, you know, historically held, held a lot of sway over the populace, like in terms of, you know, being able to kind of maneuver and, and cause them to do certain things. And we do sometimes see political reasons or, uh, you know, perhaps logistical reasons for doing some of this stuff. Remember, like the butter indulgences Uh and all of that stuff, how butter was only for like the, the upper, upper class, you know, and, and, uh, and you could pay uh, a fee in, in, in a little special box that was in the church in order to be able to eat butter. But of course, only the super rich could afford to do that. Oh yeah. Yeah. And as we know, food is a big deal. Ridiculous historians, you know, we love any chance to talk about the history of food. So we're all in on this. And uh, just to add, the Sundays were excluded. Sundays were excluded from the fasting. Yes. Yeah. And I yeah. guess that is probably, I mean, I'm certain it's where the term breakfast comes from, the idea of breaking one's fast. Breaking a fast. Yeah. So I think that gives us a, a good understanding of what Lent is, what Ash Wednesday is, and We've painted a picture of why Fat Tuesday is so important to a lot of people because it's your last hurrah, right? Your last huzzah, you could say, uh, before you got to straighten up. And while people are indulging traditionally in, I don't know if it's quite debauchery, I don't know if it's supposed to be, while they're living the high life, they have come to enjoy certain foodstuffs as a way of celebrating Fat Tuesday And this is where maybe we introduce our first example, perhaps one of the most famous, which is the king cake, which I think is a misleading name because if we're being honest, they would call it baby doll cake or baby figure cake. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh boy, have I ever been. 
<laughs> well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Well, here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car. I'd get that car. And I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonneville's. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, I said El Camino <laughs> and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. It, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Exactly. I, I, we alluded to that earlier. Picture sort of an oversized cinnamon roll, uh, but instead of the, the folds being stuffed with you know, kind of a cream cheese frosting and cinnamon swirls. We're talking um, uh, sugar that's multicolored. Like I said, it's kind of a psychedelic, you know, purple and pink. And, you know, depending on who does it, it can all kind of blend together and just sort of look brown. Um, but, you know, if it's done right, it's got a certain sparkle to it, right? That catches the eye. Uh, and then really heavy layers of like pure cream cheese, uh, sweetened cream cheese, which is a little bit, a little thicker and more decadent than the kind of frosting you'd find in a cinnamon roll. But they are cinnamon roll adjacent. Um, and then somewhere in those velvety folds is a little figurine of a baby. Careful now. Don't don't go, you know, housing that thing too quick or you might choke on the baby. And you don't want that because you want to preserve the baby if you were lucky enough to find it. Yeah. And luck is, is a big factor here because as we'll see, there are consequences 
rights and responsibilities that come with being the person who finds that that baby figure. Let's let's talk a little bit about this. I, I really like your description comparing it to a cinnamon roll. We should also note that the king cake history actually starts with Three Kings Day. That's a holiday that happens 12 days after Christmas. And the first king cakes were made in Europe to celebrate the Catholic Epiphany, uh, which is on January 6th, the celebration of the day when the three wise men were purported to have visited uh, the baby, Jesus Christ, and giving him the classic combo gold frankincense and myrrh right which i'm sure is it was just like the tickle be elmo of that time everybody needed the gold frankincense and myrrh it was a classy gift and so people are celebrating this for centuries and centuries french catholics brought the cake with them to louisiana in the 1870s and now it is synonymous with the french quarter mardi gras fat tuesday or shrove tuesday or pancake tuesday whatever you want to call it it's very new orleans and you can buy one in the i think it starts selling in like early january honestly you could probably buy some version of it year round Nowadays, right? The, the king cake has become so mainstream that, like, you know, I mean, I don't know. We have they have Publix everywhere, but here they have Publix and Kroger, and uh, they, you know, you're gonna find your grocery store varieties that are just kind of made in bulk in their bakeries, you know. But then, if you have a nice, uh, you know, local bakery, they're gonna have more kind of bespoke versions of it. But they all kind of follow the same rules, and I believe there are even like really kind of well regarded ones in New Orleans that do mail order. Yeah, yeah. Fancy, right? It's fancy to get a, a proper king cake mailed to you. And people do it every year. I wanted to add, I, I was kind of conflating two religiously based kind of traditional desserts. There's something in Ireland called the Bambrack cake or mm. the rag cake uh-huh. uh, that I actually learned about in the show Boardwalk Empire. Uh, and it's actually eaten on Halloween and it's a fruit bread where each member of the family gets a slice and there are hidden items in there. One of them is a piece of rag. It's sometimes referred to as a rag cake. Another is a coin and another is a ring. If you get the rag, then your financial future is questionable. If you get the coin, then you can look forward to prospering in the coming year. Uh, And if you get the ring, then the romance is in your future. So I love this idea of these kind of parallel, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, hidden secret, you know, choking hazard items, you know, found inside desserts. This all feels very unhygienic to me, unsanitary. Yeah, the rag. I mean, surely, you know, in modern versions, it's not like an actual, like, you know, used piece just of rag. Just throw it in just while we're cooking. Toss it in there, see what yeah. happens. Yeah. Use the one from the floor. It's fine. I mopped earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we should also note the king cake colors are representative. They're symbolic. The green. Oh, yeah, this I didn't know. Yeah. I Well, I didn't know about the rag cake. So now I'm going to be extra cautious if I'm eating cake in Ireland. Uh, so the green on the king cake symbolizes faith, the purple stands for power, and the yellow represents justice. But let's get to the weirdest part. This is the weirdest part for someone who's never heard of king cake. It's that baby, man, the plastic baby. Apparently, everybody's itching to get the slice of king cake that has the baby action figure, and people have different stories. Action is a bit generous, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's, usually, well, it's usually a rictus, weird little freaking fetus-looking thing. So, okay, here's what I heard. And again, not an expert on New Orleans nor King Cake. I I heard something a little bit different from what some of our sources are saying. So Mm. traditionally, the baby figure is meant to represent uh, the baby Jesus Christ. Uh, But others will say this is just a symbol of luck or prosperity. And if you get the slice with the baby inside, you are king or queen for a day and you're going to have a great year. So kind of like getting the coin in that rag cake. Uh, But the idea, I I heard that if you got the figure, then you were on the hook to hold the get together the next year. At least okay, that's so an, how actual, I saw an actual functional 
kind of uh, use for the thing to kind mm-hmm. of dictate, you know, who has to foot the bill for the get together. That's interesting. You know, I, I, I got to say the baby Jesus thing rings true for me because the king cake, we're talking about, you know, Christ. We're talking about the three kings, the three, you know, the three wise men are often referred to as the three kings. So that that tends to feel right to me. But also, if you think about like in Chinese culture, uh, a pig, a little tiny pig is often a symbol of luck. Right. Uh huh. And yeah. a little what looks what looks a lot like a little tiny pig, a little tiny baby. Well, yeah, I mean, just think, just think of the scale. Right. So exactly. And the pinkness mainly. Mm-hmm. So your entry into the king cake competition, should you eat and celebrate with your friends, is not rated in dollars spent unless you're on the hook to throw the party. Instead, it's let's rate it in calories because oh, yeah. a single slice of king cake. For all of our, of our desserts today. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, which maybe, dear listeners, maybe this will clue you in on why these are not year-round goodies for a lot of people. A single slice Noel, a single slice of king cake, that's 200 calories. And that's not the most calorically dense treat we'll talk about, as Max pointed out. No, and we're talking for a single slice, according to my fitness pal, which is an app uh, that you can get. We're not sponsored by them, but I have used it in the past. It's like a fitness tracker and, you know, food diary kind of thing that has like, you know, all this data around various food items. And it has king cake. Good job on you, my fitness pal. Um, we're talking a 55 gram slice. So one slice, that would be the serving size, officially, unofficially, according to my fitness pal. Um, but if you wanted to go full on Fat Tuesday, you know, be be the fattest of Fat Tuesdayers. You could eat the entire king cake, which is twenty around twenty slices, which will net you thirty eight hundred calories, five hundred and sixty grams of carbs, and one hundred grams of Fat Tuesday fat. Ah, uh, yes, Fat Tuesday fat, and still, again. Uh, nutritionally, this is not the worst thing for you on the list. Let's move to punchki. Yeah, which if you read it on paper, you're never going to say it like that. It no. looks like paskey. And uh, full disclosure, I sometimes listen to these outlines, these uh, that are research briefs uh-huh. that our incredible research associates uh, uh, put together for us on a text-to-speech app. And boy, that text-to-speech app was having a hard time with these pronunciations because Max so helpfully put in uh, phonetic pronunciations. So I would hear, you know, the the, the robot voice say, pass check, uh-huh. pawn cheek. Yeah. <laughs> because it is apparently, uh, p- pawn check, punch, punch key. Pawn yeah. check, punch key, which does sound like a Dr. Seuss name. Right. Pawn check would be singular. Uh-huh. And punch key is plural. And this has got to be Polish, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's got to be because mm-hmm. uh, it's spelled P A C Z K I. They love the C Z K. Also, Poncha, Also, since we learn witness protection in the U.S., we'll let you choose your own name. Ponchki. Somebody, somebody, go with Ponchek Punchki. No, somebody say no. Yeah, you got to do, do the singular plural. Ponchek yeah. Punchki. That's a fabulous name. I mean, no one will ever suspect <laughs> that you're not who you say you Just are. Just say your parents oh, loved uh, loved this dessert. Indeed. And, uh, you know, who else seems to love this dessert, at least from a historical context, is Teresa Nowakowski, also a lovely Polish name, um, from Smithsonian Mag, uh, who says, quote, leading up to Fat Tuesday, many Chicago bakeries, Chicago's got a big Polish uh, population, Chicago bakeries are hard at work taking orders, organizing ingredients, and prepping dough for the impending rush. All this festive fuss isn't for Mardi Gras classics like king cake, though they'll make that too, but for Ponchek. Uh, Ponchek is a traditional Polish dessert for Fat Tuesday, which is caught on in the Windy City and other cities with uh, Polish heritage like Detroit and Buffalo to the point that some simply call the holiday Ponchek Day. It's weird because if you look at it and you're not familiar with this, you might think, oh, I've seen donuts before. And I, I love that you're pointing out this Smithsonian article because we're getting a lot of a lot of the insider scoop from this one. Uh, in that, you'll see folks like Dobra Bilinski, who owns a Chicago bakery called Delightful Pastries. And she describes the punchke as not just a donut by another name. She says the dough is richer. It's denser than the dough you would see in your typical donut. And she says this gives the pastry a certain, quote, plushness 
she says the best way to think of it is that uh, a pawn check is like a donut crossed with brioche and it's got a sweet fruit preserve filling. It's got a thin glaze on top and a hint of orange peel, which does sound pretty good. It also does sound like a, a traditional kind of European dessert, doesn't it, with fruit and orange peel in there? That's right. But the kind of kind of classic uh, versions of the dessert that you might find in Polish bakeries around Chicago or in other parts of the country, you're going to need eggs, milk, butter, sugar, vanilla. And a lot of this stuff actually stems, these ingredient choices stem from uh, religious origins themselves. Uh, that's because before uh, the beginning of the Lent season, Polish Catholics also celebrated Fat Tuesday and had their own kind of spin on it. Uh, and this was a time where they wanted to indulge as well. And these were some of the ingredients that they had on hand. Since the Middle Ages, the Ponchek kind of fit the bill for the Polish, you know, indulgence on the day before Ash Wednesday. They actually make them a little bit further in advance than that. They make them the Thursday before Ash Wednesday, so the previous week. And Ben, did you mention that, the, yeah, as you mentioned, you did mention that the, fe the, the festival is so kind of centered around this dessert that it sometimes gets another name, you know, Ponchki Day. Yeah. Know? So we've, we've got we got another one to add to the list of kind of stylings on Mardi Gras, uh, Shrove Tuesday, Fat Tuesday. Now we've got Ponchki Day. And it makes a lot of sense historically, those ingredients that we listed out, the traditional ingredients, those are luxurious things. So if you are celebrating Fat Thursday back in the day, you want to use up all your luxurious ingredients because you can't eat the lard and sugar uh, during the fasting period of Lent. It didn't occur to me. I mean, you know, because things like butter and they will, you know, that that stuff will spoil. So uh, best to just get it all out. Also, probably maybe to cut down on temptation. Yeah, you know what? That's a really good dough, too. And look, this stuff doesn't, the dough doesn't collapse when you bite into it. It is deep fried. It's flat. It has that fruit or cream filling. Uh, they, the, the fruit filling is traditionally supposed to be prune, but you can also get versions with apricot, lemon, raspberry, blueberry, custard, you name it. And uh, we got to see where Punchki weighs in on the caloric scale. Uh, it's going to be about 300 to 400 calories a pop per, so, yeah. per slice. Mm -hmm. Well, no, they're not, it's not a slice. It's a, it's a, it's a handheld. Yeah. It's know, a hand single serve, single it's a donut. serving item. It's yeah. very similar to a donut. Very similar <laughs> to a donut, but, uh, no, we're going to get to the potato -y one next. That one's interesting. Um, that's right. Uh, it, it is very, very yeasty by the way. So that's, that adds to some of the, the carbiness of it all. Uh, we're looking at around 40, uh, upwards of 40 grams of carbs per and between 12 and 25 grams of fat, which uh, does this outrank the king cake slice on every front? Per slice, yeah, on every Per slice. And yeah. this is the one that I actually I built this article out of. So the idea I got was on a Super Bowl party last month, or not last month, back in February or so. One of my friends who showed up, he's from New Orleans, he brought king cake. I'm like, that would be fun to write about. But being from Detroit, my whole family's from Detroit, we grew up eating punchkis. So this really? is like, yeah, wow, this, this is, is the, the fast Tuesday thing that we have. Because it's a big uh, Midwestern thing. Because there's a very large Polish population in uh -huh. you know, Chicago and Detroit and stuff. So yeah. I was like, punchkis. And I was actually telling my mom yesterday, I'm like, hey, we're going to be recording an episode about punchkis. So she's super excited to hear about this. Hello, Mrs. Williams. Uh, hello, and we hope we, we do you proud. And, and really quickly, I am very excited to announce, I guess, <laughs> that I am going to Detroit for the very first time um, later this year. I'm going to go see one of my favorite bands, Mr. Bungle, uh, has reformed, and they're playing one of my favorite albums of theirs, Disco Volante, at a place called The Fillmore. I guess this is in downtown uh, Detroit. And I'm going there with some friends, and we're staying for a few days. And uh, I have to pick your brain, Max, on some stuff to do, but it seems like a really interesting city, uh, and it's one that I've never been to. Travel under the name Ponchek Punchki. I will. <laughs> All right. <laughs> At the very least, I'll check into the hotel under that name. I've always wanted to check into a hotel under an assumed name. It seems like the easiest thing in the world to do. It is. They just, they'll use your actual name. Like, they'll want your ID and verification for your card, so they will know your real name. 
but they'll the, give out. They'll give out a fake name if you mm-hmm. ask. Yeah, yeah cool. And, and you, know, you just got to kind of give them a little wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Don't say, "Here's my fake name." You right. Know? Like most people, if you're nice to them, they'll want to help you out. And as yeah. long as the name is not, you know, an aggressive combination of curse words, right. they'll usually be fine. <laughs> I'm not going to speak those out loud. I'm right. sorry. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I don't care what kind of tip you give me. Uh, well, this is interesting because I, I'm not aware of this treat, and now I've got to try uh, one. It sounds delightful. And, you know, while you're there, maybe you can bribe the hotel folks with a pawn check. Or uh, if that doesn't work, maybe you could try to slide a fosh knot their way. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. (laughs) Well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Well, here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car, and I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonnevilles. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I meant I said El Camino and I meant Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. It it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, You know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm sorry? A fast snot. Oh, okay. Okay. That's I think not it's, a fast snot. Okay. I'm going I'm I'm, I'm, I'm to put on my, my, my young German boy <laughs> Helmut real quick. Go for and, it. Uh, it's actually fast nacht. 
Fast Nacht. Uh, Nacht, because Nacht means night. And I think right. we'll get to the uh, overall. The word itself is German and it means uh, fast night, literally. Ooh. So Fast Nacht is the evening of, of the fast. Um, and let's see, they're often by, uh, by Michaela Miller for Lancaster Online describes them, or at least describes the way people often describe them, which I think is always an interesting thing to claim, um, as little puffs of pillowy goodness. Yeah, yeah, which sounds good uh, (laughs) because it's literally goodness, goodness, right? Uh, So according to the article, what are fast knocks, the story behind this treat on uh, visitpa.com, they made their way across the Atlantic when German immigrants first started coming to America en masse and they're synonymous with Pennsylvania Dutch culture. I was about to say. Kind of like those decorated barns that you can see out in different areas of Pennsylvania. And those delicious little ham rolls they make. You ever Mm. had those? You ever been to a a Dutch bakery? There used to be one in Augusta, my hometown, called the Little Dutch Bakery. And it was uh, run by Mennonites, which is a a particular, you know, sect of of Dutch, uh, you know, religious culture where they have like, they wear head coverings and such. But they have this wonderful little bakery and they made these incredible ham rolls and I bet you they made Fasnacht as well. So this is another uh, treat associated with Lent um, and Shrove Tuesday. This particular one, however, might appear to the untrained eye to be very similar to a donut. Yeah. But it couldn't be farther from the truth. Right. Looks can be deceiving. Uh, Centuries and centuries ago, apparently, uh, someone deep in German culture said, you know what? Picture this. A donut that is also a potato. And everyone mm. went, you should be in charge of more things. A potato nut. <laughs> yes. Or a, uh, a fast knocked. Uh, so it, it's interesting because it's, it's, it's only in certain cultures, like, for example, in, in, uh, in the Jewish faith and culture, um, you have, you know, latkes, which I typically think of potato-y things as being savory. And, you know, a latke on its own certainly is savory. But then there's some versions of it that involve putting some sort of like apple compote kind of mm-hmm. on top. And then it sort of becomes this like vessel for for sweetness. And um, that's what we're seeing kind of here. Only typically, you know, whereas a donut would be made of a wheat flour base, you know, or a, a floury base um, for the carb, this uses potatoes that are kind of whipped into a consistency uh, that is more like kind of like a pillowy little doughy yeah. treat as opposed to like, you know, mashed potatoes. Yeah, and look, they're not uh, round traditionally. They're square or triangular. And now I think more and more in recent times, round ones are normalized, but they still will never have a hole in the middle. So if you were ever in a weird situation, you know, someone has a gun (laughs) to your head and they say, you know, it's the end for you if you can't just tell the difference between these various things that look like donuts. Well, we'll give you a leg up, the one without a hole in the middle. That's that's your bet for Fastnacht. Never a hole shall be found in a, in a Fastnacht. Uh, they are sometimes triangular as well. They're usually, uh, I believe, they're square. And, and by the way, I just wanted to mention too, if, we th- if you're trying to picture what is potato dough, feel like. Think of like a gnocchi. If you ever had a, a, that, that, that kind of potato-based pasta, you know, it doesn't taste potato-y exactly. It doesn't come, come uh, the mouthfeel of it doesn't feel that consistency of like a mashed potato. It really does feel like a dough. So you're essentially using potato to create something that very much is a recognizably doughy consistency. And in this weird donut hostage situation, if you are allowed to touch the baked goods, you'll notice that our our pal, the Fasnacht, is also a little bit heavier and denser than a donut. Mm -hmm. And if you're allowed to bite one, again, this is a very weird situation you're in, hypothetically. But if they're like, no, take a bite, take a bite before you say anything, you'll notice the Fasnacht is not as sweet as the typical U.S. donut. It really does feel a lot like a latke uh, to me. Mm -hmm. Only it's it's just, you know, a latke literally is like mashed potato um, that you fry up, you know, make into a, like a flat little disc and fry up in a pan. This is going to have more height 
than a latke, but uh, or a latka, but I believe there's going to be some similarities because it is deep golden brown um, with a soft kind of tender interior. But again, because they're making it into a dough, I feel like the bite of it is going to be a little more like a gnocchi, whereas a the chewier. bite, yeah, chewier. Whereas the the the, the mashed potato, the potato latke is going to feel more like a nice crispy exterior with mashed potato in the middle, or like a pierogi. Yeah, and before we get to the caloric intake, which we're doing for each of these, uh, we will note that there is a beef about spelling. Uh, If you go to Pennsylvania, you'll see that Lancaster County has held for a long time that Fastnacht without a middle T is the correct spelling and comes straight from good old Pennsylvanian Dutch, And that's according to Dr. Mark Loudon, an expert on Pennsylvania Dutch language. However, people will tell you that you're not wrong for inserting the middle T because it refers to the period of Lent when fasting is the order of day. Fast in traditional German means the same thing as it does in English. So whether you see it spelled F-A-S-N-A-C-H-T or F-A-S-T-N-A-C-H-T, you are correct. I fell into trivia voice. I fell into bar trivia voice. Like, and the answer is either one. <laughs> so <laughs> congratulations to you for surviving this weird donut situation. Uh, one slice of this stuff, or, you know, just one serving of it, 217 calories, 24 grams of carbs, 12 grams of fat. And that's the basic version. That's like the factory version. Of course, you can get some with a lot more added on uh, and a lot more calories involved. I've got one, Noel, I've not learned about this one. I've heard some version of most of these on this list, but I am unfamiliar with semlor. Am I even saying that correctly? Semlor? I think you are. Uh, it, it is Swedish, so it does sound like a piece of Ikea furniture, uh, perhaps a footstool of some variety, uh, given the shape of this thing. Um, it is essentially, it's something you may have seen on uh, Great British Baking Show, if you're okay. a fan of that delightful uh-huh. program. It's basically like an eclair, kind of, but it's a Swedish eclair. It's essentially two donuts uh, as the bread, and in the middle, you got some variety of delightful cream filling. Okay. Um, but it's like, it's not in, it's not stuffed inside of a closed circuit donut. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's like, it, it's visible. So it, it actually makes for a pretty nice presentation too, actually, you know, and uh, Paul Hollywood uh, would give you his cold blue stare of death if you dared to make the cream look uh, not neat enough. Who's Paul Hollywood? He's, he's, he's the host of the judge on Great British Baking Show. Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. He gives you the handshake if you do a good job and makes people weep because he's so hardcore and his eyes are icy blue. I Um, thought you just knew some guy going by Paul Hollywood. Yeah, old Paul Hollywood. (laughs) You don't want to meet that guy in the dark alley. (laughs) Right. Um, Especially on Fat Tuesday because he might Mm. puke on you. Mm. And... Uh, if you're very lucky, he might be puking Simla. We're kidding. Uh, the way to eat Simla you went is there, though, man, and I love that about <laughs> the, you. The way the way to eat Simla is from a reputable baker. Uh, you should be the first person to eat it, ideally. Now, Ben, uh, you you may recall uh, this this delectable treat from a previous conversation about like royalty that died weirdly. Remember the guy oh, that ate all the ate all right. the eels. You're right. There, there yeah. was the eel guy, but then there was this guy. We'll get to King Adolf Frederick. Max uh, referred to these these treats very delightfully to the point where I almost believe that it was a thing people said uh, as king killers. Semlas are still quite beloved, despite their reputation, which we'll get to in a minute, but ridiculous historians may already know where we're heading. The Semla is a wheat flour bun, again, donut, <laughs> uh, and it's flavored with cardamom, which is neat because that is not, uh, that I, I think of that typically as a as an East Indian spice. And not cardamom really, is great. I mean, oh, it's so wonderful. I mean, like some of the earliest, we did an episode on ice cream recently and some of those early, uh, you know, um, kulfi, I believe is what it was called. Those Indian uh, desserts, the frozen kind of pops, they were flavored with cardamom. And obviously cardamom is a very popular uh, you get those cardamom pods, those green yeah. green guys, and smash them up in your mortar and pestle. Make yourself a nice garam masala or whatever spice blend you're into. Some coffee, lamb biryani. The hits keep coming. Cardamom's awesome, dude. Dude, you know what I've got coming in the mail? What's that? A tagine. 
it's incredible there's this fabulous restaurant in new york called cafe mogador and they do these tagine lamb things yeah, and it's basically yeah. slow 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 cooked lamb in this clay oven and cardamom would be a fabulous seasoning for that we're not talking about that we're talking about uh flavoring donut creamy donutty things with cardamom so flavor with cardamom Almond paste is another paste. one of my favorite flavors. It's I love great. marzipan. Yeah, I'm yeah. a big fan of, of almondy paste, anything. Uh, and, a, and whipped cream. So it's an almond paste kind of combined with the whipped cream. So it's going to have a really rich, you probably flavor with some vanilla. I imagine it would have to be. Um, it's going to have a really rich, uh, earthy kind of taste. This is what, how, what I, how I describe as almond. But wait, what you might be saying, you know what this is missing? A bowl of hot milk. Yeah. And this is how that guy died. Hot milk. He, mm. kept, he got a bunch of, uh, he got a bunch of semlas and just kept dunking them you in the em. milk and eating them. You know, he was actually, you know, the tragic inventor of the Dunkaroo. Now that I think about it. Yeah, and friend of the friend of the show in the podcast network, uh, John Cameron Mitchell of Hedwig and the Angry Inch fame. Uh, very very fun trivia fact about him was the original voice of the Dunkaroo kangaroo in those ad campaigns from the '90s that we all remember. So Nothing well. happens in a vacuum. That's nope. what we're saying. <laughs> so so uh, now, at some point, we know that people in Sweden got a little tired of strictly observing Lent. So that's why they added cream and almond paste to this mix, this similar stuff. And they started eating it every Tuesday between Shrove Tuesday and Easter because the church doesn't enforce these fasting practices uh, the way that it did in times of old. You'll usually see Semla appearing in bakery windows as near after Christmas as deemed decent. It's kind of like, sometimes even before Christmas, it's kind of like how in the U.S., the sale season for things keeps creeping by larger and larger, right? Like you'll see stuff uh, for Christmas right after or during Halloween, right? Mm -hmm. That's right. This is kind of what's happening with Simla. The idea of like, what is the appropriate time to like trot out the Valentine's Day, you know, uh, gack or whatever. It's usually literally the day after the previous season or, or holiday has expired. By the way, you mentioned dunking, right? Um, yes. Not only dunking, actually the traditional way of doing it is to pour the stuff on top of it. And uh, Paul Hollywood, as I mentioned, he's got a recipe uh, that I believe is pretty traditional. Um, he infuses the warm milk with cinnamon stick. I'm not a cinnamon fan. No? no? You never done the cinnamon challenge? I tolerate it. I recognize it's right to exist. Okay, that's fair. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, cinnamon challenge was one of those internet the things oh, yeah, uh, where people were just like trying to swallow cinnamon and because of the, partic the particles of it are so fine, you uh -huh. can't do it. It right. just causes you to immediately choke and gasp. Also in the Anarchist Cookbook, which had a bunch of, at least the versions I saw, had a bunch of things that might be considered trolling or pranks on mm. the reader, like ideas of alternative ways for people to become intoxicated. You know, right. nutmeg, the yep. sailor's high. Mm -hmm. That's one. Uh, the sailor's high? Mm -hmm. Where yeah. they just lousy with nutmeg on ships? Because they're that's how nutmeg is getting around. Okay, okay. Oh, of course, the spice, the spice traders. That makes sense, yeah. Yeah, we should maybe uh, we should maybe talk about those weird uses of things as drugs in yeah. a future oh, episode. Yeah, that'd be a great episode. Yeah, I love the it. The sailors high. Well, you can why get high on drugs folks when you can get high on semla and hot milk. This burger shaped candy. Like it's structured the way a hamburger would be structured except there's creamy almond filling instead of a patty and it's all topped with whipped cream now. No this takes the this takes the king cake out. Uh, traditional semla, just one, five hundred calories. Yeah, worth every penny. Worth no, every it, every munch, every bit unit of of currency. Uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of this kind of treat. Like I would I would kind of liken it only in its creamy fillingness to like a cannoli. Uh, but yeah, the cannoli's obviously well, the cannoli's obviously a more brittle, you know, cookie type uh, encasing. I guess this is really more like maybe a Napoleon. 
but that's more of a custard filling. So it really kind of is its own thing. The fact that it's a, a specifically whipped uh, filling, and, and I'm sure you know there are stylings on it. Like you could probably flavor it with with, with fruit as well. You could make like a, maybe a strawberry type filling, but the traditional one really is just that almond kind of paste uh, and whipped cream. So the whipped cream doesn't go on top. The topping is like a um, powdered sugar kind of confectioner sugar deal. And I believe, as far as I'm telling on, on a lot of these, uh, these these images and recipes that we're seeing, the filling is whipped cream sweetened with almond paste. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's going to have that combined kind of consistency. And like any of these traditional sweets, a lot of them might be made at home. So you're going to see nutritional facts differ widely between recipes. And if your family has a particularly cool one, you're very lucky and we'd love to hear about it. But Simla, just on its own, as innocuous as it may seem, does help explain why Frederick died after eating, oh gosh, remembering the bold strokes of the episode. Let's see, he had lobster, sausages with sauerkraut, caviar, Mm -hmm. and then he housed 14 semlas with milk. I think we likened this, or I likened this to the the bit on Monty Python's Meaning of Life with Mr. Creosote, mm-hmm. uh, the the enormous man, you know, with, uh-huh. I, think, I think it's, I forget what actor it was. I think it's uh, Eric Idle, maybe, dressed in like a giant fat suit. And, at, you know, he, he gorges himself, and then he's like, at the end, he's like, I don't have room for one more thing. And then the guy's like, but it's a wafer thin. He gives him like a little, little tiny crisp, and then he puts it on his tongue with a tong, and then jumps behind a barricade, and then the guy explodes. And, uh, uh, Terry uh, Jones. Terry right? Jones. There you go. And Max, I believe you had not seen that before, and you made the mistake of Googling it, and you said it was uh, disturbing nightmare fuel. Yeah, to make it even worse, I, this past weekend, uh, a couple of friends took me out to an all-you-can-eat Korean barbecue restaurant for my go birthday. On. And Which I, one? The, Which one? Uh, was, I don't even know the name of it. It's the first time I'd have been there. But uh, we went there, and... The entire time I was talking about Mr. Career Salt uh, Sketch, and the waiter kept coming up right when I was doing it, and I paused and I'm like, "Why do you keep stopping this?" I'm like, "The story is incredibly disgusting, guys." And then I sent them that thing, and they were not very appreciative of <laughs> the it. The best part is when John Cleese, who plays the waiter, he goes, "I have trodden in Monsieur's bucket." <laughs> <laughs> it's good, it, not for nothing, is Monty Python one of the best sketch shows made in the English language, and. Not for nothing is Mardi Gras host to some of the best desserts out there. Right now, uh, we are on the cusp of just talking about what we're going to get for lunch. You know, as soon as you mentioned Korean barbecue, Bax, I I was thinking, we got to get out of here. It's time. I propose that we, uh, we call it here. We'll leave you with a king who died pursuing excess uh and we hope we know this is not in time for mardi gras necessarily but we hope that you have enjoyed this episode i can't wait to hear more mardi gras traditions and war stories on ridiculous historians on facebook Jeez, louise the time just flew by bet it's funny before we started the episode today you said how you kind of like talking about desserts sometimes more than you like eating them yeah we just talked about desserts for 50 minutes that's pretty cool i i I did not feel like that i thought we were like wait are we really stopping it seems like we're under time surely there's more desserts to discuss (laughs) but yeah religious desserts who knew i think most people knew to some degree yeah a Mm -hmm. lot of people probably we might be the ones who are learning the most on this one (laughs) but uh but yeah let us know uh we hope you enjoyed this episode please tune in later this week when we're going to explore the strange story of monster trucks no more spoilers than that sunday 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 Sunday. Sunday. tuesday 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 thursday Thursday, whichever day it comes out i am super excited about that one yeah Yeah, man oh my gosh i think we're gonna you know uh peek behind the curtain i think we're actually about to do it in just a few minutes um you won't hear anybody about our thursday 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 about our time travel uh and i can't remember truck or Truckosaurus was Simpsons. Digger was another one. Grave Digger was yeah. one. Uh, well, big, big thanks to Mr. Max Williams. Big, big thanks in advance to the creative minds behind Monster Trucks. Big thanks to all those Mardi Gras dessert experts. We see you. We admire your work. And uh, who else? You know what? We love I, you. We I, love yeah. all of you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you're all right. You're all uh, right. Huge, huge thanks to, to, to Zach Williams, to uh, to Jeff Bartlett, 
uh, of of the uh, of the of the ridiculous um, research associates extraordinaire collective. Max, thanks again to you for this really really fun and educational doc. Uh, Jonathan Strickland, ever may he reign. We okay, we've, we've been teasing this one too long. We did hang out with him in Austin as part of our other show, stuff that I want you to know. But we still haven't gotten him. We haven't lured his maniacal spirit back to our podcast realm. So we got to make that happen. I don't know. What, what, have we made him mad? Have we upset him? No, no. He's just got a lot going on and he only accepts payment and king cake. Okay, we can do that. We can probably order some king cake up from, from our Let's get him a king there. cake, but instead of a, a baby in there, it's oh, like a little Jonathan Strickland. Oh, that'd be cool. I was thinking, okay, you, you, were, you were going much more charitable than I was. Um, but yes, we're going to do that. And uh, with that, we will see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon Waterways can go where the big ships can only dream through winding passageways, rolling vineyards, and castled hills into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time. Special offers await at AvalonWaterways.com. This is Raquel Willis from Queer Chronicles. Right now, there are close to 500 anti-LGBTQ plus bills in state legislatures across the country. Lambda Legal is leading the charge against these hateful bills that target mostly trans and non-binary people. You can fight discrimination and help write the next chapter of Lambda Legal history. To learn more about their open cases and to donate, visit lambdalegal.org. That's lambdalegal.org. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? It's estimated over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. To save, visit HealthLock.com today.